Since the depths of the Great Recession in March of 2009, U.S. stocks have returned more than 500%. But in spite of the stock market's superior returns, it may surprise you that survey after survey shows that real estate continues to be the favorite investment among wealthy investors. In Episode 8, we're going to dive into real estate investing and look at why this asset gets so much love from wealthy investors. I'm certified financial planner Justin Daring, and this is the North Country Wealth Management Podcast, where we discuss markets, investing, and the headlines that impact your finances. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any specific securities. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and all investing involves risk. The views expressed were those of North Country Wealth Management and did not necessarily reflect the views of Mutual Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Investment advisory services are offered through Mutual Advisors LLC, doing business as North Country Wealth Management, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. My wife and I recently purchased a new home and moved in at the end of August. We sold our old home, which we bought in 2016, and like most homeowners during that period of time, had a good experience from an appreciation standpoint. And in addition to good appreciation, our mortgage interest rate was super low, there were no major repairs, and we sold during one of the hottest markets ever for the asset class, which helped us accumulate a healthy down payment for our next home. Now, during this time, our house appreciated about 24%, which is equivalent to an annualized return of just over 4%, which is right in line with national averages. Now, I think most would look at this and say that I earned a 24% cumulative return on my investment. But here's the thing. The amount my house appreciated tells only a fraction of the story. It tells me very little about my actual return on investment. You see, I didn't pay cash for my house. Like most people, I borrowed money. And there were expenses along the way. Lots of expenses. Property taxes, insurance, landscaping projects, tree removal, plumbers, new carpet, and many trips to the hardware store. And to calculate the actual return on my investment, one needs to factor in much more than just appreciation. You hear people talk all the time about their house and how great of an investment it is, but few know how to calculate the actual rate of return on their home. It's a bit more complicated than you might think. Now let me walk you through an analysis of my experience over the last five years. First, to fairly calculate the rate of return, one needs to know how to use a cash flow calculator in order to compute something called the IRR, or internal rate of return. And with the help of online tools, this is actually quite easy to compute. You can Google IRR cash flow calculator and find some great tools that will walk you through how to do this on your own. A cash flow calculator considers the time value of money, and this is key to figuring out your rate of return with any investment. To compute the return on investment for your home, you need to add up all the cash flows that occurred and identify when those cash flows took place. The first cash flow takes place in year zero, and this likely includes the down payment along with some closing costs. This is entered as a negative cash flow. From that point forward, I simply added up all yearly expenses. Year one included my mortgage payments, property taxes, insurance, maintenance and repairs and improvements. And when you do this exercise, you'll quickly realize how expensive your home is above and beyond the principal and interest payment on your mortgage. For the remaining four years, I entered all the negative cash flows into the calculator. And finally, the last cash flow happened the day I sold the property. And this is hopefully a positive cash flow, 
which represents the check the title company gave me for my equity position minus closing costs. And if you use a realtor, you'll realize that this makes a huge dent in your return. In my case, a third of the appreciation was eaten up by realtor fees. So what did these five years of cash flows yield in terms of a return? Well, the answer is a negative 24% rate of return. You heard that right. My house during one of the best markets for housing managed to earn me an annualized return of negative 24%. Now to help you understand what this looks like, imagine putting $100,000 into an investment and after five consecutive years of negative 24% returns, your $100,000 would be reduced to 29,000. Now some of you are having a visceral reaction to this analysis right now and you wanna debate these findings. You're under the impression that owning a home is this incredible thing, and you're assuming I must be way off on my calculations. And that's partially fair, because what I've done so far is only a portion of the analysis. This is a pure evaluation of cost of ownership and the rate of return on the dollars that I put into the home over time. I left out the fact that I got something in return for the money I spent, and that is I got to live there rent-free. And that savings on rent needs to be factored in. And this is where the conversation starts to get a little gray. Using the cash flow calculator, I plugged in what I thought was a reasonable estimate of what it would have cost me to rent a comparable property in the same neighborhood. And there's also tax benefits with home ownership that can't be overlooked. So I added those back in as well. And when I accounted for these benefits, things started to look pretty good. The return surged from negative 24% to positive 11%. And now we're talking. But hold your applause, I'm not done yet. Just because I earned a positive return on my house doesn't mean I was better off owning my home than renting. Had I chosen to rent back in 2016, I likely would have invested the down payment money. But because we chose to buy, I lost the opportunity to invest that down payment. And while the real estate market was good, the stock market was better. You know, I mentioned that my home increased by 24% going back to 2016. Well, the stock market was up 130% during that time. And it's fair to say I lost the opportunity to earn that return on my down payment, not to mention the lost opportunity to invest additional money along the way that instead went to all the expenses above and beyond what rent would have cost. And when it comes down to it, I'd have been better off renting and investing the savings by a significant amount. In my case, over $150,000. Now I'm not complaining. An 11% rate of return is good, especially given that we got the added bonus of really enjoying our time there. And I highly doubt I'll have as good a fortune with my next home. But you have to keep in mind that during this experience, the stars were aligned. This was an exceptional time for home ownership. And the whole point of this exercise I want you to understand that owning a home is not the no-brainer that so many make it out to be. In a typical market, your home is not a good investment. But that's not a knock on buying a house or an attempt to dissuade you from purchasing a home. There are reasons to own a home that go well beyond the rate of return on some spreadsheet. And the longer you live in a home, the more attractive it can become as it serves as a great hedge against inflation. I also like the forced savings that comes from owning a home. 
And had we chosen to continue to live in my prior home, it likely would have become a better deal over time as inflation effectively eats away at my monthly payment. Because unlike rent, my mortgage payment is fixed, so I don't need to be concerned with my payment going up. Finally, keep this in mind when it comes to housing. Something that everyone needs can't go up at a rate faster than which people can afford it. This is the story with residential real estate. Historically, housing has gone up at about the same rate as wage growth. And wage growth has gone up just a little faster than the rate of inflation. In recent years, however, real estate has experienced the added tailwind of low interest rates, which increase affordability for housing, driving prices higher. I mentioned that the rate of return on my house was about 11% after figuring in the savings on rent. But if you were paying close attention, you also noticed that I mentioned that the home only appreciated a rate of about 4% per year. So here's a question for you. If the house only appreciated a rate of 4% per year, how did I manage to earn so much more than that 4% appreciation? The answer is leverage, which is a fancy word for borrowing money. Because of the mortgage on my home, my returns were amplified considerably. Leverage allows you to own an asset while using someone else's money. And this can be a great way to boost returns. Hedge funds and private equity firms use leverage to amplify their returns. And it's not uncommon for these entities to be levered as much as 500%, meaning that the return of an investment could be nearly five times greater than investing without leverage. I say nearly because borrowing money has costs. And those costs need to be factored into the equation. And you should also consider the fact that leverage works on the way down, too. And when you hear about people getting wiped out, this is often why. Because they were leveraged too aggressively. And things went poorly. But you don't need to work on Wall Street to lever up. Have you ever thought that when you buy a home with only 20% down, you have leverage of 400% on that asset? This is known as an investment's gearing ratio. In other words... The bank has helped you purchase 80% of the asset, but you're entitled to 100% of the appreciation. If you bought a house last year with a 20% down payment and have experienced 25% appreciation, this is not unheard of, because you're levered 400%, you've made a return of nearly 100% on the cash that you put down. It's not that the value of your house increased by 100%, but from an ROI perspective, you've nearly doubled your money because of the leverage. Now, you've probably never thought of your home as a highly leveraged investment, but it most certainly is. And it is because of this leverage that there are moments when investments in housing seem to look really good. Because when something is highly leveraged, small amounts of appreciation can have big results when calculated as return on cash invested. Of course, the reverse is true as well. Incremental losses can also be magnified, just like we saw with the housing bust in the late 2000s. The reason real estate continues to be favored among wealthy investors is because of this fact. The wealthy would not favor real estate over stocks if the returns weren't comparable. And it's this leverage that allows for returns on real estate to compete with the returns of the stock market. To give you a better understanding of how one of these leveraged investments are structured, I'd like to share the story of how I happened upon a real estate deal that I ended up investing in. Back in 2009, my college roommate, who spent his career as a mechanical engineer, 
started investing in real estate with a group of other like-minded individuals and formalized an investment club. I mention the like-mindedness of the group because I think it's important. This group of guys shared a vision, and that was to grow their real estate gig by the book. They started out buying inexpensive townhomes in third and fourth ring suburbs of Minneapolis, typically for less than $100,000 a unit. And upon acquiring the properties, they'd put a little TLC into them, freshening them up with new paint, new carpet, new appliances when necessary. It wasn't a very capital-intensive strategy. And after refreshing the units, they were able to rent them out for an amount that exceeded their costs, earning them positive cash flows on their investment. They reinvested their profits along the way, increasing their equity position with both market appreciation and payback of principal. Early on in the process, they started taking on investors. And what they meant by investors were really private lenders who'd be willing to lend the partnership money at a fairly high interest rate, maybe 10% or so, so they could continue to acquire more properties. Now, the reason the partnership needed the money is because there were a lot of opportunities out there and banks have limits on how much they can lend. And while the 10% money is expensive, it allows them to continue to build their portfolio and scale their operations, increasing efficiencies along the way. And as their equity positions grew, they could pay back their investors and take on more cost-effective bank financing. Now, the key with so many real estate deals is leverage. Use other people's money and keep as much in your own pocket as you can. I love watching my old friend light up as he shares the story of how they grew their business. And I get why he's so proud. These guys work hard, they did their homework, and they run things the right way. They aren't just trying to make a quick buck, but when they do, they use that opportunity to reinvest in the next project. Now fast forward 12 years, and the investments have gotten bigger and bigger along the way. And some of the guys in the group have even quit their day jobs in order to commit full-time to their real estate venture. Last August, my buddy approached me about an opportunity for investment in an apartment complex in Memphis, Tennessee. I've been real estate curious for a long time, so I was eager to hear the pitch. And here's how that went. Like many of these deals, they start with general partners. And it's up to the general partners to identify investment opportunities, negotiate purchases, manage improvements, hire building managers, manage the fixed costs of the building, manage banking relationships, and ultimately, find investors, investors like myself. But perhaps most important, their role is to execute a strategy. Not only are you investing in real estate in one of these deals, you're investing in these general partners' ability to execute their business plan and deliver results. And to get those results requires effort and skill. In the case of the Memphis, Tennessee project, the property being purchased was an $8.7 million, 122-unit apartment complex in a desirable part of town. The building, however, was in serious need of updating. It was a total dog, a very tired building, and rents were super low. And these factors were certainly reflected in the purchase price. What first caught my attention was that the building across the street recently sold for $210,000 per unit or $210,000 per door in real estate speak. The $8.7 million purchase price for our building was around $71,000 a door. And this, to me, demonstrated the market's capacity for upside in this area of Memphis. Now, the general partner's plan was to not only raise enough capital for the 25% down payment required by the bank lender, they needed to raise enough capital 
to revive this place and bring it up to date, and ultimately achieve increases in rent, full occupancy, and improved operational efficiencies. Through limited partner investors like myself, the general partners raised a total of $5.5 million to cover the down payment, closing costs, and renovation expenses, which would cost around $4 million. Now, these renovation expenses would be partly financed by investor contributions and partly from rental income in the first two years. Now, this planned $4 million renovation brought the total cost of the building up to $105,000 per door. So even after improvements, it appeared this building was a good value. In two to three years' time, the hope is that the building is completely refreshed, rents have dramatically increased, and the building becomes fully occupied. At this point, the building should be worth considerably more. And the strategy from this point is go back to the bank and restructure the loan based on the new valuation and pull out the original investment made by investors. At this point, the investors are essentially re-leveraging the property. Now here is a critical piece of the deal. The general partners are paid a performance fee for generating an internal rate of return that's north of 18%. Once investors receive an internal rate of return of 18% on their investment, the share of profits that goes to the general partners increases from a 20-80 split to a 40-60 split. Now this performance fee, while steep, aligns the interest of the general partners with the investors, incentivizing the general partners to perform well from a rate of return standpoint and return capital to investors as soon as possible. If all goes as planned, the investment will start to generate income for investors at the two-year mark. And it is often income that real estate investors are seeking. But let's be clear, the income is not why I chose to invest in this project. My hope, along with all the other investors, is that the building is worth considerably more than the $105,000 per door that we paid. And if market conditions remain the same and the strategy is well executed, this investment should provide me with a very solid return. While I made this sound straightforward, these deals are anything but that. There are a lot of variables in these deals and risk factors with each of those variables. And these investments are typically reserved for accredited investors who must meet certain IRS minimum income thresholds or have a net worth of more than $1 million. These deals are highly illiquid and calls for more capital are a possibility. Also, these are unregulated investments, making them ripe for fraud. In my 17 years of doing this, I've seen two of these deals go sideways with clients, one due to fraud and another due to bad regional market conditions. Again, these are complex strategies and there are good reasons for limiting them to accredited investors. Be selective when making decisions about real estate investments. As always, thanks for joining the discussion and reach out to me directly if you have any further questions on this topic.